Welcome to Grace Hour. You are listening to a word from the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman. Today's message. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is a personality. The Bible says that John gave an account that I saw him descend upon Jesus like a dove. He didn't say he's a dove. He said he descended like a dove. And we understand that when a dove is flying or a dove is descending, the tips of her, her, his feathers are made in such a way that when it flies back, the two tips hit each other. So they make a sound like a whistle. So when you study a dove, you realize that the sound its flight makes is higher than the sound it makes itself when it is, it is speaking or crying or doing anything. The sound of its flight is like a whistle that is blown. And John said that I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus. It means that the Holy Spirit was not to be seen by John, but to be felt. And there was a sign for John to know that the Holy Spirit is coming. There was going to be a sound like that of a dove flying. So the moment Jesus entered into the water and appeared, and John heard that sound, he knew that the Holy Spirit has come upon Jesus. And we all know that in the upper room, that was the same experience. The Bible says that there was a noise like a rushing mighty wind. And that was how they realized that the Holy Spirit has appeared there. So it happens to be like a person who comes along with a certain sound. And you are not permitted to see the person, but you are permitted to experience the sound. So by the sound, you will know that the Holy Spirit is around. Am I here with somebody at all? But he is not a dove. The Bible says that I will give you another comforter, Allos Paracletos, another one like me. Praise God. Another one like me. He is coming. So the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus, but he is without borders and limitation. Jesus was a flesh and blood, but the Holy Spirit is not flesh and blood. So he is Jesus Christ without limitation that has come to dwell among us. Somebody say the Spirit is a personality. Who can relate with me as a person? And we have one whole year to study about the Holy Spirit. So relax, I'm not going to touch everything in one day. But I can assure you by, that by 31st of December, you would have experienced the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm not trusting the Holy Spirit to just give us information about himself. I'm trusting him to bless us with an experience of himself. Am I here with the church at all? I'm trusting him to for us to experience him, practicalize who he is. That is what I want us to know. For you to accumulate knowledge about the Holy Spirit, to fill a whole notebook, and yet not have a personal and practical experience of him, is a waste of time. Am I here with the church at all? So this year, my focus is that we are going to take a new dimension with the Holy Spirit, and we are going to experience him, not just to give testimonies about how people experience him, but you are going to give a testimony about how you yourself has experienced the Holy Spirit, because he's real, he's, he's there, he, he exists, and he's in his assignment, and people who have engaged him have a testimony of how he is real and he can be real to everybody. John chapter 7 verse number 37. In the last day, 
that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man test, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And one of the things that I want us to understand is that Jesus kept asking people, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and I'll give him water. Some of us would have asked ourselves that if there is anything called thirst, there are available wells, there are water. If I'm thirsty, I'm not to come to Jesus for water. I can go and sort myself out. But we must understand the context for which Jesus would always say if a person is thirsty, what are you thirsty about? What, what is it that you are looking for that you don't have? And I think that the prophet or the King David gave us a clue about what testiness is about if Jesus should mention that somebody is testy. The Bible says in Psalm 42 verse number 1 as the deer pants for water, so my soul panted for the Lord. And he said that for my soul tests after thee, O God, O living God, how can I appear before your presence? So whilst David was talking about how he's testy for God, he was thirsty for just God and that aspect of God is he wanted to have an encounter with God so he said that I'm thirsty for you my soul is thirsty for you. so this thirstiness that Jesus is talking about is not literally seeking for water but is seeking for God somebody say God David says something in Psalm 63 he says that early will I seek you for my soul tests after you. And he said, my flesh long after you. In a dry and testy land where there is no water, my soul tests after you. He said that I may see your power and your glory. So the next time David also talked about being testy for God, he was talking about to see power. And now Jesus comes to tell us that if anyone among you is testy, and today... I'm testing for God. I don't know about you, but me, I'm testing for power. I'm testing for glory. I'm testing for his peace. I'm testing for the joy of God. I'm testing for the holiness that comes from God. I'm testing for the peace that comes from God. I'm testing for his presence. And Jesus stands to say, is there anyone who is testing among you? Let a person come to me and drink. There are some of you, you are testy for the gift of prophecy. You are testy for the gift of healing. You are testy for the gift of, of deliverance and the gift of the speaking of tongues. You are testy. And now Jesus is telling you that if anyone is testy, let him come. I'm about to give him the drink and the water that satisfies all tests. That is of God. I'm about to give that person the water. If you are thirsty for water, Fanta will not satisfy you. No matter how you drink Fanta, you will still test for water. If you are thirsty for Fanta, it doesn't matter how water is available, you still go out and buy Fanta because Fanta is what you desire. And I believe that most of us are here today. We are thirsty for God in different dimensions. David said that I, I want to appear before you is my test. Another time he said that I want to see your power is my test. Another time he said that I want to see your glory is what I'm 
testing for. But some of us are here. We want the evangelistic gift. It's your test. Some of us want the praying grace. It's your test. Some of us want the ability to read the Bible. It is your test. But Jesus has one drink to satisfy every test. If any man tests, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 39. But this he spake he of the spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not glorified. Is there anyone who tests? Let him come. And when the person fulfills one condition, then out of his belly, I will not give him just a cup of this water. I will give him a well of rivers flowing out of his belly. Out of his belly shall flow rivers. I still have a church here who are eating Benquin in their minds. If you understand what I'm saying, you will not just be seated there. Out of your belly, out of your belly shall flow the test of the prosperity that comes from God. It comes from the out of the belly, the rivers that Jesus gives. What are you testing for? In Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, they that test and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. What are you testing for? And he says that anyone who comes to me and believes in me shall receive not just a cup of what you are testing for, but a flow of river. A flow of river. A flow of river. Can I tell you something? You don't believe in the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit. If you believe in me, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It's ushering me to the first thing I want to treat for this year. How to receive the Holy Spirit. How to receive this abundance. Can you imagine that you are thirsty for Coca-Cola and somebody promised you that I'm going to bring you Coca-Cola and you were in expectation of a bottle of Coca-Cola but the person comes with a tanker of Coca-Cola. You just expected and trusted the person for just a bottle. Because what you know is that Coca-Cola has been already packaged in a bottle. So you drink it, then next time you get thirsty again and you go and buy another one. That was what was happening to the children of old in the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost will come to fulfill an assignment and he leaves. And another time he comes back again. But this time Jesus says that I'm not going to let him come and go. Out of your belly, I will give you a well of the Holy Ghost. I'll give you a flowing river of the Spirit. That is how it means. I'll give you a flowing river. So you asked of one thing and he has given you an infinite measure of that thing. Babarushka. And the interesting thing is that he that believes in me, the Holy Spirit, will fill him. So when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, you believe in Jesus, then he comes. You leave Jesus and believe in him, and you don't see him. So you, you should get this in your spirit before we get to one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that has to do with manifesting Christ, and you will not have to struggle a lot. 
to understand. Can you imagine that before, it's like somebody seeking Pastor Ken to come and preach for him. And Pastor Ken is available, but the person has to first contact me as the father of Pastor Ken to release Pastor Ken to him. And now he needed Pastor Ken for one program, but he comes to me and I tell him that you can have him for a whole year to preach for you. That is what it means. So, when you seek the Holy Spirit, to have him, you must focus on Christ first, to have him. Somebody say, faith in Jesus. Somebody say, faith in Jesus. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit without faith in Jesus. Look at it. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 15, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord spoke to Zechariah and said that the child you are coming to give birth to, he shall be called that, John, whatever. And he says that he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And for six to seven months in his mother's womb, the young man in his mother's this room never experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Until the Bible says, around the verse 45 or so, the Bible says that when Mary finally received the message and paid Elizabeth a visit, the moment Mary saluted the one carrying Jesus, the moment she saluted the one carrying John, the Bible says, John leaped in her belly. And the next thing is that, and the Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So that little child who cannot speak must first respond to Jesus before he can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember the angel said that he would be filled in the womb. So the woman must be filled for the child to experience it. And the child had to first have an encounter with Jesus and salute Jesus and accept Jesus before the Holy Ghost comes. I'm talking about the first experience with Jesus before the Holy Spirit. You cannot bypass the ministry of Jesus to reach the Holy Spirit. Am I with the church here at all? Look at this. In John chapter 20, verse number 19. Somebody shall faith in Jesus. Your first qualification for the ministry of the Holy Spirit is faith. And not just faith. Some of you here, because we have declared the year, the year of the Holy Spirit, you might not even mention Jesus Christ again. Because it's the year of the Holy Spirit. But hear me, it is Jesus first. Your faith in Jesus opens the door to the Holy Spirit. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace unto you. Somebody says, Jesus appeared. Verse 20. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Why was it necessary for Jesus to show his hands and his side? These were the disciples, Peter, John, James. They, for them, Jesus is dead. And now Jesus appears to Mary and tells Mary, go and tell my brethren that I'm alive, I've resurrected. And Mary comes to tell them and they tell Mary that you don't mean this. It cannot be. And whilst they gathered in the room with the door locked, for the fear of the Jews, the Bible says Jesus appeared in their midst. May Jesus appear in your situation. Jesus appeared in their midst. And the first thing he said to them, peace unto you. Then the next thing, peace means that don't be afraid. 
I'm in control. Peace be unto you. Then the next thing is that he shows them his hands. His hands that was nailed on the cross. He shows them. And the Bible says that on the cross, he nailed all the things that were written against us. So he showed them the evidence that he has broken all curses against our lives. Then the Bible says that he showed them his side. The Bible said when he died, when you read the mystery of Godliness Revealed, you understand this between Eve, Adam, Eve, and, and Jesus and the, and the church. How Eve was removed from the side and the church too was removed when Jesus was pierced by the side. And he showed them his side to show that this was where I was pierced and it still remains. And they were glad when they saw now. They didn't call him man. They called him the Lord. When they saw the Lord, they knew that he, this was he that was dead and now has resurrected. Now we believe that you are the one they killed and we believe that you have resurrected. And hear me, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that he died and the father rose him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The moment they were happy that the one who died has resurrected, that was their salvation. That was how they were saved at that moment. Why was it necessary for Jesus to prove himself? Because he needed them to receive something that they must believe first in his resurrection before they can receive it. So he has to prove himself. Verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he has said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now you qualify to have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> now that you believe, that I have resurrected, you qualify. The Holy Ghost never goes to anyone who doesn't believe in the death and the resurrection. He is a reserved being and he operates in two ways. He dwells in and comes upon. I'm sure some of you are saying in your minds that what about Acts chapter 2? We will get there later in the year. There is the dwelling in of the Holy Spirit and there is the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. And this was the dwelling in of the Holy Spirit. Receive and he breathed. And in the course of the year, we will understand some of these mysteries. How you can receive the Holy Spirit by a breath. How you can receive the Holy Spirit by just somebody waving his hands. How you can receive the Holy Spirit by just shaking somebody. You will understand. And not everybody gives the Holy Spirit. Everybody can have the Holy Spirit, but not everybody can give the Holy Spirit. That is why when Philip went to Samaria to go and work miracles, Philip was healing the blind and healing the deaf and raising the cables. But when it came to the giving of the Holy Spirit, they sent Peter to go and give. Not anybody can give the Holy Spirit, but everybody can receive the Holy Spirit. It was easy for the Holy Spirit to come upon Cornelius and his family, but an angel went to Cornelius and said, go and fish out Peter and let Peter come and pray. And the Bible says, while Peter was praying, the Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost coming upon people and coming into people respond to particular voices, not every voice. Not every voice. That is why not anyone can lay hands on you because some of the laying hands are a waste of time. So he breathed and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. You have been with Jesus for three and a half years and you realize that day that you never had the Holy Spirit. So what was given to them in Luke chapter 9? The Bible says he gave them power. Which power was that? 
it means that I can borrow you my power, but you will not have the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that scripture? He gave them power and he said, go out and cast out devils. It means that I can lay hands on you and let you operate in my gifts for a season. And that was what happened to them. So it was here they realized that they were empty of the Holy Spirit, though they have followed Jesus. And why were they empty? Because they have not yet believed in his death and resurrection. And why was it not? Because Jesus, do you see what Jesus said in John chapter 7? He says that they that believe on me shall receive the Holy Ghost because I have not yet been glorified. So you cannot receive it now. So the Holy Spirit would only come when people believe in his death and his resurrection. Until he is glorified in his death and his resurrection, the Holy Spirit will not come. Shall say, I believe. Sounded loud and clear. Say, I believe that Jesus died and resurrected again. And my life is opened to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands and celebrate the Lord. And he receives breathes on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And he gives them just one commandment. Now that it's like I give you a car. Then I attach just one condition to it. Be careful you don't drive carelessly to kill yourself. That's it. It's like giving you a gun and telling you the only one condition and the most important condition about the gun you are holding. And I tell you that be careful you don't pull the trigger or you don't get close to the gun when you are angry. Be careful. That's what happened. The moment he gave them the Holy Spirit, he gave them one important warning. Now that you have received the Holy Spirit, let me show you something. Be careful with this. Verse 23. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Give me another version. NLT. It's nothing working inside your spirit. Hear me? If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now that you have received the Holy Spirit, let me give you one caution. If you forgive sins, it will be forgiven. If you do not forgive sins, it will not be forgiven. How many of you believed that forgiveness of sins were dependent on you? No, am I creating something in the Bible? The day I'm coming to show you who you become when you receive the Holy Spirit. How dangerous a human being becomes when he receives the Holy Spirit. The moment they received the Holy Spirit, the next caution was that anyone you forgive, it will be forgiven in heaven. And anyone you do not forgive, the person's sins will not be forgiven. You know why I am always talking about people forgiving offenses? Every time I'm talking about people letting bitterness go. I'm always talking about how we can forgive each other. Today I'm coming to show you the mystery. Why, as your pastor, I keep telling you, let go, let go, let go. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if you forgive, it will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, it will not be forgiven. Let me show you. He started speaking about this thing long time, but the people didn't catch it. Give me Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you see may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church decision, 
treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. In other words, treat the person as a sinner. If somebody offends you, if it's not if you offend, if the person offends you, who is who you that you are offended, you that the person have sinned against, go to the person. If the person accepts that he has sinned, Jesus says that forgive the person. If the person does not accept, carry two or three people back to the person. He says, if the person doesn't accept it, go and carry the whole church, line them up, and take them to the person. If the person doesn't accept, treat the person as a sinner. Soon you will understand what this thing, treat the person as a sinner. You will understand it. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth, give me King James, that's what we understand. Oh, let, let me first read this one quickly. Let me read the NLT, then you go to the King James. I tell you the truth. Have you seen where he's coming from to end here? I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. We have been using this as warfare prayer. But it was actually talking about forgiveness and offenses. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Give me the other uh, King James. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The reason why you must carry the whole church to even go and seek peace with an offender is that the, he finished and said that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It means that heaven's decisions are terminated or determined by the decisions on earth. Regarding offenses and forgiveness. Am I here with the church at all? Regarding offenses and forgiveness, whatever is decided on earth, that is what happens in heaven. Give me Matthew chapter 16, verse number 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if the next verse speaks of what he said in offenses and forgiveness again. The next verse is quickly, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I will give you the keys of heaven. And whatever... He didn't say, I give you. He said, I will. It means that a day is coming that I will give you that key. And when you receive that key, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And John chapter 20, verse number 23, he gives them the key. Receive the Holy Spirit. What, whoever sin you forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven. And whosoever sins you do not forgive will not. So... In John, he is not talking about I will. In John, he has given, receive the keys of heaven. Receive it. That's the Holy Spirit. Receive. And now, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. And whoever you do not forgive will not be forgiven. I'm not preaching to you over this message according to revelation or I want you to know something. Hear me. I want you to practice what I'm telling you because it's a dangerous issue. The day you received the Holy Spirit was the day you received the attorney to forgive and not to forgive. It's to let people's sins be on them or to take it from them. And I'm coming to show you why. In Matthew chapter 12, 
verse 40 something. The Bible says that when Jesus cast out devils, they said to Jesus, you are casting out devils with Belzebub, with a demon. Then Jesus looks at them and says, if you offend the son, it will be forgiven. But if you offend the Holy Spirit, it will never be forgiven. So if I cast out devils by Belzebub, it's fine. But one thing you should know, is that Satan's kingdom is not divided. But if I cast out devils by the power of the kingdom of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. If I cast out devils by the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God has I've, I've come among you. Why did he say that? If you speak against the Son, you are forgiven. But if you give, speak against the Holy Spirit, you are not forgiven. What he was telling that I carry the Holy Spirit. If you give, speak against the works I do, that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. You are speaking against the one whom when you offend, you will never be forgiven. Am, am I with the church here at all? You are speaking against the one who will never, you will never be forgiven. Then he warns them, when you try to speak against what is working in me, you are speaking against the Holy Spirit. And for him, when you touch him, you will never be forgiven. So now, if I speak against the Holy Spirit by speaking against Pastor Jeff, whom the Holy Spirit is dwelling in, I have spoken against the spirit that when you offend, you will never be forgiven. So how can I then be forgiven? Because I believe that the people who spoke against Jesus and offended the Holy Spirit who never forgives, whom the Father never forgives over when you offend. How? I'm sure some of them are in heaven. So how did they get to heaven? It means that when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in Pastor Jeff, he depends on the eyes of Pastor Jeff. He depends on the ears. He depends on the tongue. He depends on the hand. He depends on the legs of Pastor Jeff. And when you speak against Pastor Jeff over anything he's been inspired by the Holy Spirit to do, you have offended the Holy Spirit. But because he is in use of Pastor Jeff's property and has made his body his temple. If Pastor Jeff says that I have forgiven you, the Holy Spirit in normal case shouldn't have forgiven you, but because the one he's using has forgiven you, he must forgive you. Am I with the church here at all? Because the one he is using has forgiven you, he will. So the reason why Jesus gave that warning was simple. The day you receive the Holy Spirit, you have received the one whom when we offend, he shouldn't be forgiven. And the only one who will make him forgive is the one he is dwelling in. Am I here with the church at all? How many of you know it's a chapter in the believer's dominion? Forgiveness, an unveiled mystery. All that I'm saying is from that chapter. Everything I've said is from that chapter in this book. 105, the attorney of forgiveness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 8. He therefore that despised, despised not man, but God, who has also given unto us his Holy Spirit. So when you despise a man, it is like you are despising God because God has given the Holy Spirit into that man. You know something? Why did three times in the New Testament, the Bible refers to the church as we are all priests? Not everybody is a pastor, but everybody is a priest. You are a royal priest too, the holy nation. Revelation 1 verse 6, the Bible says that for he has made us all kings and priests in our Lord Jesus. Why that? 
Because in the olden days, the priests did one thing. They made sacrifices for the sins of the people. So when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us, we were given a new responsibility to forgive people. Otherwise, they will not be forgiven. To make sacrifices for the sins of Do you know why Jesus remained on the cross and stayed in pain for three hours. He was not dying. Three hours until he said, Lord, forgive them. That was when he gave the ghost. If he had not forgiven them, he would have been there for five hours. Because if he had not forgiven them, there is no way they will receive forgiveness for what they did to him. Why did Stephen, the Bible says that, and the moment Stephen said, Lord, forgive them, he gave the ghost. If Stephen had not give, asked for their forgiveness, he would have been beaten and beaten and beaten. God wanted him to die, but he had to forgive them first. If he doesn't forgive them, a certain Paul will not be converted because Paul was holding their clothes for them to stone him. And he must forgive Paul before he dies. If he had not made just that one statement, Lord, forgive them, Paul could have never been forgiven because the one he offended died in pain. So the moment Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost, the next warning is that anyone you forgive their sins will be forgiven. I beg you, forgive. That was a Japadia The next property was that, please keep forgiving because what you have received, if you don't forgive, anyone who offends that person in will never be forgiven until you have forgiven the person. And as a church, how many of us have we killed? How many people have we held on to their grudge? There was a story I wrote in this book, a personal encounter with an ex-convict. The guy was released after he heard the gospel, came to church, and I sat down and spoke to him. It was Brother James. And he told me how he got to prison was that he was set up by rape by his own friend. Something that didn't happen, his friend witnessed against him that it happened. He confessed to him and he was in prison. And I think he was to go 16 years or so. But after eight years, miraculously, he was removed. And when he came, he said that he was coming to do just one thing to kill his friend. He was coming to do just one thing to kill his friend. So when he was taken from prison, the first Sunday service that somebody brought him to church was our church. And that day I preached on forgiveness. So after closing, when he was speaking to me, Brother James was crying. And I told him, forgive. And the interesting thing, when was it? I think on the 21st of July, 2014, Brother James' friend visited him, came to kneel down and apologize. And Brother James told him, I forgive you. I don't hold anything against you. I forgive you. The following day, Brother James heard that his friend has had an accident with his car and he's dead. So, when he had to die, God orchestrated for him to receive his final forgiveness from a friend who was now filled with the Holy Spirit before he would die. The most dangerous person to offend is not the one who will drag you to court and prison. It's the one filled with the Holy Spirit. The most dangerous person to offend is the one filled with the Holy Spirit. I am careful dealing with people for one reason. My eyes are opened to certain things in scriptures. Hardly would you find me talking about somebody behind him badly. No, because the person is filled with the Holy Spirit. I am careful. What if that thing I'm talking about was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? So he said, I will give you the keys of heaven. Do you understand? It means that you will have the power to open heaven to people. On the other day, Jacob slept and he saw a ladder where Jesus was on top. And angels were ascending and descending. And the Bible said, he said, surely this is the house of God. 
and this is the gate of heaven. Surely it is the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. It means that every house of God is the gate to heaven. And do you know what the house of God is? One house of God is named Elvis Ajima. And that house has been made the gate to heaven. He has been given the keys of heaven. It is a gate. No matter how you offend me, I can let you go to heaven by forgiving you. <laughs> and you know one interesting thing? He says that if you carry the church and the person doesn't accept forgiveness, he said that treat the person as a sinner. It means that when you receive the Holy Spirit, that it becomes so dangerous that you can open the heavens to people. And for you, you have closed heaven to 10 people. You have, God will also regard you as a sinner. And soon, you also miss heaven. <laughs> Shall I have the Holy Spirit? So I'll be careful to forgive. Shall I have the Holy Spirit? And I'm careful to forgive. No matter the offenses, I will forgive. I will forgive. I will forgive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know why I was led here, but I believe that maybe somebody has closed heaven to her husband. Somebody might have closed heaven to his wife. Somebody might have closed heaven to his own church member. Somebody might have closed heaven to his own friend. The day you offended me was the day you offended the one whom when you offend your sins must not be forgiven. But that one depends on me to forgive you. If I forgive, the Holy Spirit is fine. If I do not forgive, he has trouble. Will you not call your, your family members and tell them I forgive you? Would you not call a friend and a schoolmate and tell them I forgive? Will you not call a work, working partner and tell the partner I forgive you? Would you not call? How long will you drag the case? How long? If Jesus had to forgive the whole world before he died, what at all has the person done to you that you cannot forgive? If you know what you carry, you forgive your child. If you know what you carry, that the Holy Spirit makes you so powerful that God is waiting for you to forgive so he will also forgive. For God, eh, he has already forgiven everybody. But you are the problem. If you forgive, he has already forgiven. But if you do not forgive, the sins of people are still on them. The church is a weapon that kills and gives life because of this one man and one personality of the Holy Spirit in us. Just walking to somebody and telling the person, if I've offended you, forgive me. If you have offended me, I've forgiven you. You have no idea. You will open heaven to that person. You will open heaven. And we talk about heaven, we are not talking about just an experience where you have when you die and angels come to pick you to a place. Heaven is, is a realm, it's a, it's a life. If I don't forgive you, I've closed a certain life to you. There are certain glories you cannot enjoy because somebody has closed the heavens. If you want to doubt it, look at Elijah. I stand before the presence of God. And as long as my soul liveth, there shall be no rain until my word. Ahab should have arrested him there. But he thought it was a joke. He didn't know somebody can close the heaven. And when it began to happen, he started searching for him. Because no prophet could handle. If I close the heaven over you, when you don't take care, no prophet can handle it. Do you think there were no prophets? Do you think there were no magicians? They all tried, but the lips that close it, that same lips must open. That is why I encourage strange and strong love in this church. You might not understand why pastor is always talking about love. When I see two people ha happy together, I'm, I'm happy. I know why. I know why. There are days when I hear two people are not talking in the church. I cannot sleep. I become worried because I understand. It will repel my prayer. 
I will pray for them in vain. I will pray for them in vain because the person they are two of them fighting, the one who is offended can close the heaven because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in that person. Why don't you just after service make a call? Talk to that brother, talk to that sister, talk to that business partner. We have been loggerheads for years, but I forgive you. Remember, if you don't forgive, soon you yourself you will be treated as a sinner. And do you know who a sinner is? A sinner is the one who has no Holy Spirit. So you can offend them, go scot-free. The worst a sinner can do to you is to take you to prison. The worst a sinner can do to you is to take you to court. But me, filled with the Holy Spirit, the worst I can do for you is to close the courtroom and the heavens to you. And how can you handle that? Dealing with sinners is simple. But dealing with the Holy Ghost-filled born believers it's a dangerous one. You know very well that your partner is anointed. You keep fighting your partner. Be careful. Some of you who don't even fear the call of God. I told you that every believer is a priest, but not every believer is a pastor. A pastor is a selected priest. If your partner is called, you are in a dangerous realm. He or she can literally make your life terrible. The painful thing is that the people tormenting us don't even know they are the ones tormenting us. They don't even know. There are some pastors who have members. The members seek that they prosper. He prays for them. He opens doors for them. But the pastors are better over the members. Oh, say brother fine. He doesn't even know that is closing something. He doesn't know that that one thing he has kept in his heart for a long time is closing something to that. The greatest breakthrough on earth was the coming of the Holy Spirit. But we must be careful. It makes us strange beings walking about. My wife will tell you, my only way to handle issues is to be quiet. Am I lying? My only way to handle issues is to be quiet. I won't talk. Quiet. Because these lips can close something. And when I'm quiet, it's not that I'm boiling. No, no, no. I'm speaking, Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I'm not hurt. I'm not bitter. I forgive. Because I know what can be done against you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I declare again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. From today, say after me, say, I'm no more a normal man. I'm no more a normal person. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I have the power to forgive and not to forgive. But I use that power to be a blessing to my generation. I forgive those who are even unwilling to forgive me. I forgive them. I release people from every charges I hold against them. From this morning, I free my heart. I have no enemy. No enemy. I have no enemy. I have no enemy. I free everybody. I free everybody. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I free everybody. I free everybody. In the name of Jesus. Clap your hands and celebrate the Lord. Thank you for listening to Pastor Elvis Ajeman. Pastor Elvis is a dynamic teacher of the Word of God. He's an author, a passionate preacher of God's Word, with a desire of transforming lives in the power of the Spirit. His ministry is characterized by a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost with accompanying signs 
wonders and uncommon miracles. He's the head pastor of Grace Mountain Ministry, located at Seven Days Junction, off the Achimota of Angkor Barrier, Accra. You can follow the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman on any of his social media handles at Pastor Ajiman Elvis or Grace Mountain Ministries. Or you can call us on 552 504 085 or 0548-003-360. God richly bless you.